In today's episode of Community Connection, we're going to learn what makes Junction City, Kansas such a special and unique opportunity for business. What are the workforce, transportation, and land opportunities that are being capitalized on in this great area? And what the heck was Custer doing in this opportunity-rich community? Communities across the nation are working harder than ever to enhance the success of doing business in their locales. Logistics, location, sites, and available properties are all important parts of what makes a community thrive. If your company is considering an expansion or relocation, let us take you behind the scenes and talk directly with those that are making today's communities a great place for your company. You're listening to the Community Connection GT Podcast, produced and sponsored by Global Site Location Industries. You can listen to all our GT podcasts at www.globaltradingmag.com slash podcast, Or listen and follow us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Now, here's our CEO and chairman, Eric Kleinsorge. Good afternoon and welcome to all of our Community Connection listeners. I'm your host, Eric Kleinsorge, and we're starting off an awesome new year here in our Dallas studios. And we hope everyone enjoyed and had a safe and wonderful holiday season. So today we're heading to the great Midwest, Junction City, Kansas to be exact. Junction City is recognized as one of GSLI's elite cities and our guest has been instrumental in bringing a whole new level of economic development to their area. Our guest today is Mickey Dean. Mickey serves as the Economic Development Director of Junction City Area Chamber. Mickey is a former native of North Carolina, but became a Kansan in grade school when her parents moved to Kansas. She's a graduate of Kansas State University with an emphasis in marketing, public relations, and political science. She's been involved in and practicing economic development in Kansas for the past 28 years. There is not a segment of this business that she is not passionate about. Her personal favorites are manufacturing and industrial applications. Mickey has her Economic Development Finance Professional Certificate from NDC. She has served multiple terms on the Board of Kansas Economic Development Alliance and has been president of the organization three times. She's been involved in numerous state and regional boards and is proud to be a leadership fellow with the International Group Industrial Asset Management Council. She currently sits on the Mid-American Economic Development Council's Board of Directors. Mickey has received the Master Practitioner Certificate of Advanced Leadership and Economic Development from the collaboration of Clemson, University of Alabama, Texas Christian University, and the University of Southern Mississippi. Mickey, welcome to the show. Well, good afternoon to you, sir. It's a pleasure to be able to visit with you. Okay, so I've got to start today by just asking and bragging a little bit about your K-State Wildcats. One of my cousins played football <laughs> there, so I was excited to see him in the Sugar Bowl. How about you? I mean, not just not just K-State, but Kansas. What an, Kansas. What an exciting opportunity to get national spotlight on two teams in your state. It was. It was really exciting to see both of our teams get the opportunity. Granted, you know, we didn't come away the winners in those, but to, to at least make that opportunity for our young people and to get that presence is good for our state, right? No, absolutely. I mean, the only ones that complain <laughs> or talk about the loss are the ones that couldn't even get there in the first place. So that was, I got to watch them all year and it was so exciting to follow them. I was just... Yeah. 
football is a, is a great way to spread the word about your state and get really name recognition. But Mickey, you're one of our recognized elite cities, and we're definitely looking forward to sharing what Junction City has to offer for companies listening here today. But I want to first start by saying thank you for allowing us this opportunity, and I really want our listeners to understand what a great person we're about to talk to. I mean, just a few months back, I got to see an action at Fabtech in Atlanta, and may I say you were an inspiration to watch you in action. I mean, in terms of the show presence, in terms of our booth and your ability to speak to people at, while at the booth, and really your ability to find solutions and answers for those companies seeking new locations, it was really impressive. Thank you for that, Eric. It's, it is a pleasure. It was a pleasure to get to hang out at the booth, to visit with you and your team. I love trade shows. My whole staff said, if you, if you don't have energy, don't go to a trade show with Mickey. And so <laughs> I, I get really excited. So I'm an testament to that. So, but before we get started, uh, as our listeners know, I always like to have our guests kind of paint a picture about the location we're about to talk about. So let's talk a little bit. Where is Junction City located? And give us a little, a little background on what brought you to Junction City. Oh, certainly. Well, Junction City is located right off of I-70, which is a major east-west corridor, as we're all aware of in the United States. And it's only about 35 minutes from I-135, which is a major north-south corridor. So we are very well situated right in the heart of the country. Uh, We're about just a shade less than two hours to the west of Kansas City, which is a very rapidly growing market. So we're in a great position with that. We have rail access and we have our secret weapon, which is our fort and the young men and women getting out. What brought me to Junction City, Eric, is exactly what you just, what I just talked about are the assets that we have for economic development, I think are unbelievable. And to find a community in the center of the country with those transportation assets, with that workforce type of asset, and oh, by the way, did I mention we have land available? (laughs) It's just kind of unheard of sometimes. So that literally is what brought me here, was I looked at the assets, I came up here, met with the folks that were here and said, I want to be part of this. I want to help market this community and develop this community for future growth. That's why I'm here. Now, that's awesome. And you talked about workforce and land availability, which in terms of projects today, we we work with over 75 projects every year. And it seems like those two topics come up all the time. And in today's marketplace, workforce and talent are really the driving force for projects. But I understand Junction City has a major project that supports workforce and talent. Can you tell us about that? We do. We have a organization that we've kind of stood up or a project that we're standing up called the Junction for Military and Civilian Innovation, or JMCI for short. And we are the pilot program. We are partnering with a group out of Washington State called AstromU, which is doing the artificial intelligence AI work for placing soldiers and their spouses and their adult children in jobs that are a fit. And the thing that is so cool about that is not just in Junction City, but we're working regionally and outside of our state to help these young men and women as well. And so we're kind of creating here locally a transition program to help them transition out. 
At the same time, we're creating relationships with major employers to help them find people that are a good fit from these young, talented men and women, their spouses, their adult children. And so it's been a really exciting project to work on. It's a different type of animal. Uh, It's not your typical, you know, 250,000 square feet, 300 people on 100 acres kind of project. (laughs) But we think what it's going to do is raise awareness for our community in the fact that we look at how we approach labor, how we approach the workforce and those opportunities for companies differently, which will get us more notice. Now, and that's, I, I see that in so many communities, not just the workforce, but the sustainable workforce. And that's amazing to see you thinking well into the future. You have the workforce there. Now, getting them into the workforce in the proper positions and things, man, that is so key for companies to know if they're kind of taking a look at, you know, what are their options around the U.S. to find workforce? Because I'm going to tell you nine, uh, let's go eight. Let's go eight out of ten of our companies that we work with really just ask. We're making a move because of a need of workforce. So it sounds like you guys are getting well prepared for that. But not just on day one, but day year 10, whenever they're a successful company in your community, they can count on that sustainable workforce. So that's off to you guys for that. We really are working on building that relationship. And we realize we have anywhere from 2,200 to 2,800 young men and women that transition out of Fort Riley annually, Eric. And we realize that we can't keep all of those or hold on to all those jobs in our community. But what we believe we can do is we can grow. Some of them retain a portion of those, grow companies, have companies come here that want a good labor force, but also become a pipeline for other companies that we're developing relationships with outside, which builds that relationship. And we get known for being a pipeline for good labor too. That's what we're part of the pilot program on this with. That's awesome. And, and you, earlier you spoke about land availability. And on top of that, the transportation assets, logistics is, you can't go anywhere nowadays without it being in the news and the importance of logistics. Talk to me about what Junction City and Gear County's transportation and available land, what are the opportunities there? Oh, I, there, it's, it's very exciting. You know, I, I hear all the time, well, we want to be close to an interstate. And I I can sometimes be a little bit facetious. And so I sometimes joke and say, well, is like 350 feet okay for you? (laughs) And they'll say, what do you mean? I say, well, it's 350 feet to the nearest exit to get on I-70. And they're like, oh, yeah, that'll work. (laughs) But we have three major parks that we're working on right now. Or I should say we have, well, we have three larger ones and a smaller one. Every one of those has direct access to I-70. The fourth one right now is in process. We do have, um, we are working on a new interchange. So we'll actually have, when we finish that one, we'll have six interchanges off of I-70. And each one of these, the furthest away from I-70 of one of our parks is about a mile and a half. The largest one, the largest two sit literally right, right beside the interchange. So getting onto or off of the interstate is very, very simple. Two of those parks have applications for rail access, and we um, are served by a class one, which is Union Pacific, but we do have a really good relationship with one of the largest short lines in the country, which is Watco, who could serve as a park, you know, and bring in and bring in spurs, et cetera. So, 
But in that case, the rail line on, on our largest park runs right along the interstate as well. So you've got the interstate access and rail right beside it. I would say the smallest park we have is around 58 acres available. And the largest potential park, once we finish the interchange and get it opened up, could have the availability of growing to be in the range of, of short side 800, long side 1,100 acres. Wow. Tell me a little bit more about the land in terms of preparation. Is it ready to go? Is it quick to turn? If I, if I came in I and said, say, hey, I need that 58 acres, what's the turnaround or is it? The 58 acre site isn't rail served, but it's right off the interstate. It's very quick to turn. Um, it is owned by the city. It has the roads, the beginning roads into it, has infrastructure to the site. That one is very quick. The other three we know who has control, and they work with us very closely. I would say two of those would be very quick to turn. The third one is pretty fast. That's the one that's on what's going to be the new interchange, so it's going to take a tad longer, but you could be building your building at the same time we're putting in the interchange, right? Perfect. So I would say they're all, if you want to technically say, are they shovel ready? In other words, is the, you know, the infrastructure right to the lot? No. Are all the roads in? No. But in the same breath, we've talked to enough people that said, don't go in and build roads, and then all of a sudden somebody wants to build over this road, and you've got to tear it up, right? Have yep. it ready. Have the infrastructure across the street. Know what your plans are. Know how fast you can move. And as long as you can tell us that, we're, we're good. So that's pretty much, I would say we're quick to go and very prepared to make those moves for any potential clients. Yeah. And I, th I think you hit it right on the head. I call it customizable opportunity. You don't, I don't like going I into like a business that. park that, you know, you, you have to kind of fit your building in a certain way around an existing building. And, you know, you've got kind of a whole canvas to work with there with the right company. They can come in and, and really get exactly what they want from the start. Totally. Yeah. And that, that part of that, I love that term, Eric, customizable opportunity. I'm going to snitch that from you. <laughs> but when we were talking to Union Pacific and our rep with UP, he, you know, there have been others who've recommended this to us too. Don't go in and develop the whole park because somebody could come in and say, I need 200 of your 500 acres, but you built it out in such a way that I can't use it. Exactly. So that's the same way that we do incentive packages when we're working with companies too. We don't have one of those one-size-fits-all incentive packages. We like to work with our companies, our clients, to understand what is it that they need and how can we, because obviously we can't just write blank checks, but if we understand what it is they need, how can we customize an incentive package to them that works for the good of everybody, right? Perfect, yeah. No, and, and I think that's important. The times that we've worked with companies, it, it really is it's not really about the incentive. It's about what makes them successful in year one and two. Because a lot of these companies have phase-in uh, stages of their companies. If it's a paper company, they got to get their water mix right. If it's getting their uh, talent and their workforce all established on a work line, it takes time. And some of those incentives, if customized right, can really help them grind through those first one year to two years so that they're a long-term success in your community. So. 
Yeah, I think that's really, really important. You're tugging at my heart. You know, you say I-70. I've driven or driven on that so many times and actually made the trek on the I-70 series when I lived in a little town called Raymore, uh, Missouri. And we went from there up to St. Louis and watched the Royals. And I got in the parade and got my, you know, toe ran over by George Brett's, you know, parade car. But it's more than just, you know access to two ballparks. I mean, it's a major thoroughfare. What are some of the things you're working on to capitalize on that proximity to Kansas City? Well, I would say one would be obviously our JMCI project because there's a lot of firms in Kansas City that truly need labor. And there's a lot of firms in Kansas City that we've talked to that say, you know what, maybe I need to look at offices or another facility in Junction City Geary County, it's only two hours to the west. It's right off I-70. It's easy commute back and forth. So we've been talking to companies that are a fit in that area. Obviously, the other thing we look at is is transportation logistics. You know, Kansas City is, is a huge market. They move more freight than Chicago does now today. But not everybody wants to be in that market, right, Eric? They might want to be just a little outside of it, not quite as congested, maybe a little bit more affordable, right? So we're looking at what are the opportunities for transportation and logistics that's giving you that, that close proximity, but not quite in that mix or that congestion or that, or that market base. So that's one of the other areas that we're looking at. The other thing to focus on is, of course, DOD, Department of Defense companies that would be interested in having a presence nearby. Uh, we currently do not have any Department of Defense firms outside the gates of the fort. Uh, and we think that that is a incredible growth opportunity for us because those young men and women that are coming out with those skills and that talent and that passion would be a perfect fit for a Department of Defense contractor outside the gates. And we've got the land, we've got the access to provide that as well. Well, you, you mentioned Fort Riley, and that is Anytime I hear about some type of military base uh, with proximity to a location, you know, I smile because I know of all the opportunities that that base can provide to companies moving into the area. So how do you all plan or how do you work with the fort to capitalize on those assets for the community? Oh, we we definitely do try. And And it's an ongoing, constant process. I do, within my organization, I employ what we call a military affairs director. So we actually have a director in the Chamber of Commerce who his entire position is building that relationship between the fort and the community. How do we do a better job of supporting what the fort needs? How How does the fort do a better job of working with the community and kind of marrying those two together? There's something within the military called IGSAs intergovernmental service agreements uh, where you can work back and forth between your community and the fort to to help save money for the community as well as for the fort. So the young man who I employ has been charged with making sure that he looks at what are any of the opportunities that we can work together between the fort and the city and the county to save money for all those entities. Obviously, then a huge one is is hiring the young men and women coming out, looking for help for them for jobs and placing them. As I mentioned, I also talked about DOD companies that might want to locate in the area that could use that workforce and that base, and and these young men and women would be interested. Uh, We just had another meeting today 
course, child care, when you have a large military installation in Fort Riley, is the largest military installation in the state of Kansas. It's a very historic fort. But there's child care issues that we have to look at, too. And how do we do a better job of supporting the people on the fort as well as our local people in their needs for child care? So we have an entire group now that is coming together to try and address that and look at how we can answer that for our existing industries as well as for the people on the fort and the people in the community. Those are just a few examples of how we try and look at how can we coordinate, pull, and support each other. It's not just about supporting us. It's us also supporting the fort. That's great. Yeah. Now, Mickey, we're kind of wrapping up here, but I always like to leave our listeners with something they might not have known about your area, some historic fact, something unique, maybe a famous person. What's something that our listeners might not necessarily know about Junction City? Oh, my goodness. And that's a tough one. <laughs> of course, I guess they, they might know that we have Fort Riley, but they might not know that the fort started with the 7th Cavalry and that, of course, Custer was famous for being here. He was stationed here with the 7th Cavalry. And the fact that we still have a mounted equestrian division called the um, Commanding General's Mounted Color Guard. So we have stuck, you know, we keep some of that history alive that goes all the way back to the 7th Cavalry. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So we're out of time, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your valuable day to share us, share with us your knowledge, what the real quality of life and business opportunities lie there in Junction City. But before we leave, some of our listeners might want to learn more about locating their business to Junction City. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I would say the, the best way is either call me on my cell or send me an email. One way or the other, I, we will respond as quickly as we can. So my cell phone number is 316-641-6296. And my email is Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y dot Dean, D-E-A-N, at J-C-A-C-C dot org. So, Mickey, thanks for the email and the phone number. What's your website? jcgced.com. Perfect. So, any of our listeners that want to get in touch with Mickey, feel free to call her on her cell, drop her an email, or go to the website. So, with that said, we've had a great time today, and I also want to thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your valuable day to spend with us. We know how important you are, and we hope we've provided you some interesting information on how you can increase your business with a strategic location like Junction City, Kansas. Till we meet again, I'm Eric Kleinsorge signing off and saying goodbye here from our GSOI studios in Dallas. And until our next episode of Community Connection, don't forget, we love businesses that are on the move. You've been listening to the Community Connection GT Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners that help make this possible and our sponsor, Global Site Location Industries. We hope you'll return next time for another great episode of Community Connection. And don't forget, when your company is on the move, GSLI can help ensure your next site is the right site for success.